0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 187th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that offers up the very finest in golden goose cuisine. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of magic gathering, finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week, as always, is Travis Allen, aka AtWizardBumpin, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering.
1: Good evening, James. How are you uh, on this fine September night?
0: Good, good, good. Just came uh, back from a Douglas Johnson special.
1: Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means.
0: It means I was downtown doing parkour. Like our uh, super cool friend DJ.
1: I wasn't sure if you were giving him credit for. Oh, I'm definitely for that. I mean, not that he doesn't do it, but I thought that'd be like.
0: I'm just waiting to a, see.
1: You would own the parkour magic scene.
0: <laughs> no, I think Tom Ross was first on first on the to be noticed as a oh. traceur slash magic player. Oh. Um, I, I remember hearing things like ten years ago about him doing a backflip or something. <laughs> um, but yeah it's cool DJ, DJ's been posting videos of his uh, efforts doing parkour it looks like they got a pretty good community in his hometown so I've been following along with interest since that's been 15 years that I've been doing it
1: yeah that is that is interesting it always was it was fascinating to see videos of that on YouTube and what have you but I never, I never I never bit you know it's like any of those other things you have to have your local community and like a friend that's into it how, you know, it's not something you're going to fall into on your own for the most part. For us, it was inline skating. That was the thing that we did.
0: <laughs> Such a 90s
1: child. Yeah. Hey, everyone was doing it when I, you know. Oh, It brother, was super cool you when I to, did you know it. You don't to tell
0: just, me. I really at 140K one night to go see a girl, so. Eh.
1: I feel you. Wait, 140K? Yep.
0: Got there. She was like, oh, let me go put something sexy on. And when she came back, I was totally passed out.
1: <laughs> That's like 80 miles. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I wore the I wore the wheels down to my rollerblades, down to like slivers, and uh, that is
1: like Rochester to Buffalo.
0: Yeah, it was Toronto to I'm... a town called Brantford, which if you look it up on a map is is pretty similar to rog- to Rochester to Buffalo actually, and uh, kind of the same thing, but on the other side of the lake, east to west. And at one point, I hit a country road that was under construction, and it <laughs> just froze me in my tracks. And nice lady gave me a ride in the back of her pickup truck for about eight miles or so and got me back in the saddle. And uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Oh, that must
1: have taken like all day,
0: all night. Oh, all night. This this friend of mine bet me and another friend that we wouldn't do it from. And the plan was that we were going to leave at 10 p.m. and get there by 10 a.m. And we got about an hour west of Toronto and my buddy gave up. And took the took the train home, and I decided I was too stubborn, so I toughed it out. But yeah, boy, that... did my my legs hurt for about a week.
1: Yeah, I have to say that's spectacularly dumb. Just
0: yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> at five so in the morning. In five in the morning, I went into a Tim Hortons, just exhausted. Got a bottle of water, sat down, and ate a bagel. And then when I got went to get up, like ten minutes later, to continue the journey. <laughs> my legs locked up because the lactic acid buildup was so high that the, every muscle in my legs just cramped and i was just like on the ground and people thought i was having a fit
1: <laughs> yeah i mean I, I remember doing something similar where i rollerbladed to a girl's house uh i was like 15 or something uh not 20 but it was like maybe five miles and it was awful i mean it's you you hit that pavement that was kind of like crumb not crumbling but like just very textured and bumpy oh
0: yeah it was was, the worst
1: it was awful i'm like you could you were basically just walking your wheels wouldn't roll on it
0: for some period of time for some reason my my girlfriends in toronto always lived way out in the suburbs and i i had numerous at least three years in a row where i was doing a lot of 20k rollerblade and bike rides that's for sure um, seeing as how I've never owned a car of my own in this town, since the uh, transit is quite excellent, it's kind of a Damn, man-, man Manhattan kind of scene.
1: Speaking of which, I just got back from Manhattan, and how was that, sir? Uh, it was a good time. New York is fun. We, um, you know, when we travel overseas, we tend to do pretty touristy stuff. Uh, you know, go, you know, in Rome we go see the cathedral and the ruins and all that, and you're in Paris, you go to the Louvre and, and all that good stuff absolutely worth it unquestionably but in new york like half of us have lived there uh you know we've all been a couple times it's it's weirdly less touristy than a lot of those other international cities are because there's not as much ancient infrastructure to go see um so you know you go see the you can go see the Met and the MoMA and you know there's all there's obviously tourist stuff to do but it's not like a wow if you're in Rome you have to go see the Colosseum like there's not even a question right uh, so it's kind of fun to just kind of hang around the city more so but it was funny because when we do when we travel overseas. You know, when you wake up in the morning so you can get to all this stuff because, you know, the coliseum's not open until 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. So you're busy walking all day, seeing the sites, trying to cram stuff in. And by 10 o'clock, you are just dead, right? You're just so exhausted. So we never get to see the nightlife when we travel. Well, we go out on this trip to New York is like we're going for a wedding, you know, it's a bunch of friends catching up. It's basically a college reunion. We're gonna have to we're gonna be up late for the wedding. We know that much. We're not really going out on tourist stuff. So, like, okay, this is our trip to kind of enjoy the nightlife, right? It's New York City. We don't have a lot of other plans. We're gonna try and enjoy the nightlife. Absolutely not. We (laughs) the first night we were all dead by like 1130. And the worst part is we've all been waking up at like 7 a.m. for work for the last decade. So no one can sleep in anymore. Even the night of the wedding, we were up till 3 a.m. And then the next morning we were all up before nine. Like, there's no way that we can stay up late and party anymore. Right. You have to be able to sleep in to be able to stay up and just could not do it. Yeah, (laughs) it's a little disappointing (laughs) for the
0: first 10 years that I was single ish in Toronto. I was basically sleeping into anywhere from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. every day when we started our business. It Didn't change much. Um, I was doing a lot of work in the evenings, and it was so easy to party when, when you sleep into one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when now that we have a baby, it's like at 10 p.m. on a Friday, even if we don't have a Lara and friends call us, we're like, uh, sure would be nice, but boy, that bed looks comfy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, really. Being able to wake up at 11 a.m. is such a huge factor in your ability to go out and party.
0: Yeah, getting old's rough. The
1: uh, yeah.
0: so lots going on in Magic Finance this week.
1: Um, you know what? That is valuable information that I'm looking forward to sharing with all of you. Here on our show, produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG Finance community, sign up today, MTGPrice.com, to manage your collection, track your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby, including Mr. Chilcott here who covered for me while I was gone this week. Did you
0: tell everybody in New York that MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering, single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles? When you were out walking Fifth Avenue and talking to hot chicks, did you tell them that they can use the promo code Finance Five during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save five percent off your order and support this podcast?
1: Yeah, I did. Got me thrown off the subway. I was best pestering people.
0: You you can't just you just can't jump up in a girls' face. I, I, I also
1: I was there with my wife. I don't know what kind of trip you thought I was taking.
0: <laughs> ah, I don't. Know. I thought maybe you were looking handsome on Fifth, and she dipped in for a. I don't know. Do a little shoe shopping or something and maybe somebody some lovely young thing stumbled upon you and wanted to have a conversation about cool stuff I
1: The funny part about that is anyone who knows me will find it amusing because I'd be the one stopping in to do the shop be doing the shopping and she'd be getting tired of <laughs> waiting for me
0: getting hit on by cute young things on the corner.
1: Yeah. Um so this week we have a show in four segments. Uh second one a little light this week uh top movers and not a lot to talk about looks like people are taking a break before throne of all drain segment two our card swatch. james and i'll run through some cards we think have a positive outlook here segment three our metagame we can review we have a modern league to discuss and also we have some standard lists courtesy of evan irwin and a bunch of guys who are doing some brewing so i don't I think they actually played an event with these. No, that, no. What happened? There, are... was an,
0: there was an early access streamer event on Twitch today, where many notable okay. Magic Magic players were playing uh, Throne of Eldraine Standard early. So Evan, gotcha. he, Evan okay. basically just summarized the decks on Goldfish and posted them for people to look over. Um, and okay. the thing about these decks is you got to take some of them with a grain of salt because a lot of them are experimental. The streamers mm-hmm. that ran them, whether they did well with them or not, didn't necessarily think that they would be running them in a competitive tournament in the near future, but it does give us some sense of cards that are doing some work.
1: You're looking for broad strokes here for concepts, uh rep- repetitions and ideas. You know, if there's one card people everyone have the group shout up with, you're like, okay, like even if none of these are the right shelf for, obviously everyone is on board with this card being legit. Um and then segment four our topics of the week, we have both TCG player infinite uh a name that i don't think that i'm in love with and the throne of eldraine deluxe box uh which it would appear the magic community at large definitely is not in love with um but let's start off the week here uh so i'm gonna want our top movers first card of the week foil cephalid constables out of 10th edition uh maybe 350 four bucks up to about a roughly a double up here um cephalid constable is a nifty card uh was this did this show up on a commander command cast or something like that i have no this is the only thing I-
0: no information about cephalid constable at the moment
1: okay i just left it there because i'm like maybe james caught this somewhere that i missed it but i'm pretty sure this is just a old foil that you know well someone bought the last two or three copies here um Following that is Shimmer Dragon out of Throne of Eldraine. Uh, This is the six mana five six that has hexproof as long as you control four more artifacts and you can tap two artifacts to draw a card. So this is certainly uh, a reasonably powerful creature since you can play it as a six mana five six flying hexproof that just gives you the ability to draw cards. Um, Sure, but but I I didn't...
0: I I don't think this price is real. Um, But I do actually want to... Touch on a few cards that I do think are real that didn't make this list somehow. They um, there are some cards in Throne of Eldraine that I think are worth paying attention to um, that have been on the move um, with smaller movement than we would normally track, but I think they're worth talking about. One of them is Oco Thief Crowns. Um, people mm. first take on this planeswalker was that it wasn't gonna. It was kind of a mediocre planeswalker, which is just more evidence that Magic players don't know how to evaluate three cast and cost planeswalkers because they keep getting it wrong. Um Oga thief of crowns did look like it was doing a lot of work on stream today I, I suspect it's going to show up in two or three different deck shells uh and i think it's it is the most likely of the mythics to so far to hold a high price tag um, heading into the late fall i'm also hearing whispers from some vendors that this set isn't selling as well as some of the other stuff this year um certainly not as well as war of the spark for instance And I suspect that that is a combination of product confusion, which has been rampant with this new product mix uh, with this app, which I think is one of the biggest communication failures in Magic history, actually. Um, uh, Probably some uh, degree of product exhaustion, because it's been a very busy year. And I think that the resonance of this set is missing the mark with some players. Um, And I'm not exactly sure what the demo psych profile is that they're not quite connecting with. And I suspect they might be as mystified as I am. Cause I, if I had to guess, I would have said this would have done fine average for a fall set. Um, but maybe the like shreckiness of it doesn't really hit home with some people.
1: Um, well, you know, it's interesting because I, I mentioned before that it didn't really do it for me at all. And I assume that I am probably not the only person in that boat. Like it doesn't, there are plenty of people on Twitter who love it, But if I'm reading this and going, eh, there are probably other people having a similar reaction.
0: It's interesting because I think that the I was very low on the adventure frames when we first saw them. Still not super high on them, but they are growing on me more than Amonkhet did. Um, There's a Mm -hmm. few of them, few of them in the final mix that I thought the combination of art plus the way that they handled the frame worked very well together because it looked like it was synergistic whereas I felt that the Amonket frames were very forced um, in terms of the very overwrought uh, Egyptian-inspired themes. And then the art was often quite buried because there was a lot of fantastic art that was commissioned for those that didn't really get a chance to shine because they were squeezed into a smaller-than-normal space, and, you didn't, and a lot of them were cropped awkwardly. Um, I thought this time around some of them, like, Shepherd of the Flock is not an important card, but it looks really, really good in the... Uh, uh, the special frame version um, and there's a few others like that that have caught my eye that I think will be that are cool magic collectibles if nothing else
1: i I caught several as well and when we first talked about this you were cooler on the frames than I was I definitely disliked the adventure frame like I don't like how they formatted the adventure component of it but that aside I think some of the cards look very nifty especially a couple that have this very ephemeral ethereal artwork um in conjunction with the border that i thought uh came out very nicely and i'd have to go back and dig through all the art to figure out which ones it was that i liked and if i stumble upon them i'll let you know but uh yeah they are better than i thought they were going to be well i should let me rephrase that Given how clunky the adventure frames are in the normal printings, I am impressed with how the alt art frames have handled them.
0: Sure. Yeah, I'm on the same page. Um, yeah. There's a few other things I think worth pointing out that have been on the move in the set that I, I think are like the part of the top five or ten cards that are likely to hold most of the value from the set. Um, one of the other ones is definitely Murderous Rider slash Swift End. Um, the Knight deck looks real. Don't know if it's tier one or tier two. But it, this card does enough that it doesn't even necessarily need to be in a knight deck. It adds to your knight deck if you're already rocking knight synergies, but you can just play this in a good stuff Celtide deck or something and be in fine shape. The fact that it can kill a creature or a playswalker, and then you get a, a vampire night hawk that doesn't fly, um, well, and doesn't have vigilance, so I guess half of a vampire nighthawk um, is pretty solid. The other one is Gilded Goose. Um, food looks real. Oko looks real. Gilded Goose, therefore, is real. Um, I would guess that... Um, Embercleave? Yeah, that's the one. Embercleave is probably going to see a little motion because the knight deck is Mardu. There's probably a red deck as well. If two of the decks are running under Embercleave, then it might you know push up a few more bucks. The other thing I noticed that has nothing to do with um, this set, Assassin's Trophy is a $20 card.
1: Uh, whew. Is it really?
0: Yep, It's only up 13% this week, but that was from 17 to 1930, um, which means <clears throat> there might be a pretty sweet exit here for those of us that bought in early. I'm pretty sure I have a big stack of those ready to go that required sub 10
1: assassin's trophy yeah i would be inclined to agree with you here that if uh i you know come probably what late october i would be selling those at virtually any price point
0: and then looking for an entry again when they rotate because it's never going to not be a commander card
1: yeah well yeah commander decent very much a modern card uh, that's the first car the first place i think of actually and, and, more less than commander
0: and jund is back in the mix
1: yeah yeah no that's a nice uh nice little pickup there so
0: car kingdom is paying 1885 credit 1450 cash on trophy right now
1: it's a lot of credit for sure
0: and they'll take 238 copies what's that tell you <laughs> Um,
1: 238. that your 239th copy is wasted
0: oh, fortunately, I'm, I'm not trying to buy out 99% of a market as people <laughs> on Twitter were inquiring about today um, Necropotence from Ice Age is up to 20 bucks uh, people may have those sitting around um, Kyrick is doing work in Commander and a lot of those mono black power cards are on the move so uh, take another look see what you got lying around
1: Man, is this really twenty bucks? Let's see here. It's hard it's so hard for me to believe that I've got I can't imagine how many of these are sitting in my boxes behind me. Yeah, man. Lowest well, price is twenty two dollars with the market at thirteen. But that means the price is somewhere in between there. God damn. Twenty dollar necropons is. I mean the card's that good, but you can't play it anywhere. You can play it in EDH.
0: Well, because you can play it in EDH, you're good to go.
1: Yeah. It's not finally it's not reason. any
0: hmm. in commander, right?
1: No, it's legal. It's the only place. Yeah, so. The only place that is legal. Huh. I mean uh, it's in 14 wild. decks.
0: 10% yeah. of all reported decks on EDH Rec are running running it. And it's all, for the most part, in mono black decks. So Selenia, yeah. Dark Angel, who's white black, Kirik, of course, Rankle. People putting together their Rankle decks. Um Kashuku Kusho, Kokusho the Evening Star, Villas Broker of Blood, Curl Pit Lord, Chainer Dementia Master, etc. etc. Um, I also I also run copies, of course, in like Xur the Enchanter. It's one of the first things I pull out after I protect Xur. Hmm. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it, it's the you know, the, what really did it is just it was printed in Ice Age, and there's so many Ice Age cards. And then on top of that. It has had a very minimal demand profile everywhere other than Commander. Like no one at kitchen tables is really playing this. Um, obviously, Vintage you might play one. You can't play in Legacy. You can't like you just can't play anywhere other than Commander. So the Ice Age had so much inventory, and they printed it like six the like one to six printings right now, <laughs> uh, which is pretty wild too. That there's six printings of this card despite the fact that like no one can really play other than commander players
0: hmm yeah there right, are no so,
1: bad specs there are only long timelines <laughs> <laughs> and
0: and it's it's funny because if you have a spec that you're on a one-year horizon and it ends up being a three-year horizon and you're like down in the dumps about it you probably still beat the stock market average stock market year eight to twelve percent decent year and you you know, if you were aiming for fifty or sixty percent return and you got it all wrong and you were in too early, you paid a little too much, and you waited a couple extra years, you probably still come out fifteen or twenty percent <laughs> when all is said and done. So all sorts of things I've been in on early for the wrong reason that later pay off. And I think Turnabell Drain, if if it doesn't do that well, say it's down twenty five percent below expectations or even fifteen percent, then that will help counter the additional foil drop rate that started with the core set and. Could offset that that to the point where once the dust clears, and people have finally wrapped their heads around the product mix, that some of these cards could be worth quite a lot of money a little faster than normal.
1: Yeah, that this'll be uh, it'll be funky, and I wish we're gonna we would be able to get some sales numbers, but we we know they're not going to give them to us. Maybe the you know our distributors, friends in the vendor game, can give us some insight, but uh, it'll be. Curious to know how well the set does overall, especially given that we're hearing from so many people on social media, like pros, that it's a really juice set, that it's overpowered, that the power levels and pushed, this is a strong set. So if you have a a set with a bunch of very powerful cards that, you know, end up maybe multi-format cards and the sales are lackluster for a false set, I mean that could really do some work on these two years down the road.
0: Exactly, and I think that their pre-orders have been high because hype on the good cards has been high. But once we get our, a chance at our like bricks of these cards in a month or so out of Europe, whew, I, I yeah. expect I will be going deep on some things. Um, yeah,
1: pre-orders pre-orders are always high. That doesn't mean the set is gonna the prices are gonna stay high or anything like that. And you
0: don't want to get caught up in going after like Emery at seven, for instance. Because even if that's a deck in Modern immediately, you're going to get a chance at at least a few bucks lower during peak supply. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Trust me, I was looking at Oko and I'm like, ooh, maybe that should be my pick of the week. And I'm like, uh, even if I think this card is best card in Standard, I can't recommend it as a twenty five dollar buy.
0: Because you're looking, you're asking yourself, is this going to be twenty five to forty like Elspeth was at atheros and and that could yeah. or Gideon uh, ally of Zendikar, Zendikar. At, at a battle at a BFC? But one of the things that's different. is that a set like BFZ had very few great cards. They were strongly impacting the format. Whereas this set has a lot of action. So the EV of the set will naturally be distributed across that action and all of it's going to be suppressed. But what happens with really strong sets, and you're going to see this at an even greater level for War of the Spark two years down the road, is and Modern Horizons for that matter, um, is that once the sets are out of print, the wholesale price of the product no longer limits the EV and the cards prices start operating independently of the box price. Once that happens, things can really get crazy um, for sets Mm -hmm. that went, that had very deep pockets of good cards. Um, And we've seen a few of those lately. I don't think Throne of Eldraine is on the same level as war or MH one at all, but it's going to have 10 or 15 very memorable cards. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two last movers we wanted to touch on. Paradoxical Outcome foils uh, were all the, the rage in the Protator Discord over the last couple of weeks. Um, as an Urza uh, variant has appeared in Modern that's doing a lot of work um, using Paradoxical Outcome. And foils were already relatively low with a steep ramp when the, all of this kicked off. And now they've just been pushed right over the edges. Like two or three listings left on TCG player. In and around $15. And I think those are probably buys to be honest. Like these these foils are probably 30 or 40 by the time things are said and done. This is not going to be on Wizards Radar to reprint anytime soon. It's a very specific card, um, that's also busted in vintage for that matter. Um so and and gets played in like 3,000 decks, I wanna say, on EDH rec. Um, and should probably be in more based on all the artifact decks that could make use of it. So these these foils are decent shape. Um, Gorgon Recluse at a time spiral foils from fifty cents to three dollars. I hate that kind of price movement. In theory, that's about madness, but you're not gonna make any money on it. So may as well move on to segment two.
1: Okay. Uh you are uh, leading the pack here with us for our cards to watch, so what's your first your first dip in the pond?
0: We we, we shit talk a lot about investing in standard because it is certainly higher risk than modern in EDH. You have a shorter window within which your specs have to succeed. Um, They basically have to be, generally speaking, Mythics or Foil Rares that are also doing well in other formats simultaneously. And if you look at cards like Teferi and Karn that have crossed over and become top 15 cards in Modern and have also been seeing significant standard play and are good in EDH, even those had trouble breaking out of the $10 pocket for a while as rares. Um, So that's true standard specking is not necessarily where you want to be, but should you be choosing to look into some things, there were definitely some hot buys on cards from Throne of Eldraine that were posted real cheap on Star City and CK and so forth uh, early on in the mix. And I think there are still a few that are being underestimated. One of the cards that made me money already this year was Mystic Forge, um, which was a card that looked busted right out of the gate to me and has proven to be a pretty strong modern card that's also going to see a lot of play in Commander um similarly i think people are a lot of people are underestimating or were up until today when it started it was all over the place on the streamer showdown um fires of invention this is the red enchantment for three and a red that prevents you from playing spells on anybody else's turn but your own but on your turn you can play two spells for free uh of a casting cost equal to or less than the lands you control uh this card is too many free things And it's gonna get busted. And the only question is whether it's a standard only card, or it sees a significant quotient of Commander and Modern Play as well. Um, They've been posted at as this morning I was buying copies at $2 as of the recording of this podcast. They are there are still pockets of cards out there for $2. I worry a little that this is gonna be a little bit of a lame duck, because it's entirely possible that 72 hours from now this will just be a $4 to $5 card. Um, But if you hear this early enough and you manage to track, you know, you have a line on some two or $3 copies, I think you're going to do just fine. And certainly, if you want to play with these, buy them now. They're, they're only going to go up and, and hold price for, for the foreseeable future. I don't think they're going to revisit two bucks anytime soon.
1: Well, I, I certainly agree that if you want them, you should get them. That's, a, you know, $2 is at a price point where you don't have to feel bad about that. This is definitely more speculative than we tend to end up with. Um, I mean, everything you said about speccing on standard was true. I used to do it a lot, but that was before. That was in another era of Magic Finance, essentially. The card is remarkably potent. Two free spells a turn. (sighs) It's pretty legit. Pretty legit. I think that at $2... You know, you're looking at buying at two and outing at five. I think that's very a, a viable strategy. And I think that it's not unreasonable for this card to hit four or five dollars in its lifespan. I'm tempted, you know, I, I tend to to do to be very cautious about these types of investments. I I would probably be inclined to wait until the set hits the street and there's a this is getting cracked. I think you might be able to snag these at half price, maybe a little lower, but I do like the card. The card does seem like it can do a lot of work, and it's the type of card that I usually am very drawn to because you can kind of really break the the symmetry of this by playing like a ramp deck, but a ramp deck that just puts lands into play and then just casts some ridiculous spells. Um, I like the pick. I think I'm a little, I am would want to try and wait for a lower buy-in a little bit, but I definitely think that this is a card worth considering when all the attention is being paid to uh, Oko and the new heroes' Downfall and those types of cards.
0: I, too, would love a lower buy-in, but I think two is about as low as this one's going to go. The CK is already charging four. Some vendors are sold out. Um, if it doesn't make a strong showing in Standard and only shows up as a meme deck or two in Modern, then you're right. Then then you may well get paid off for waiting. And certainly if I see this thing collapse in the early days and get down to some very low number, I'm all in. Like if this gets down to a dollar or less and I can get them from Europe 100 at a time, happy to store some bricks for later. The other thing I, I'm interested in is how cheap can the Borderless version get? Because... Mm -hmm. I'm not sure players have fully parsed (laughs) this product mix yet and who can blame them. It's ridiculously complex.
1: I'm I'm including us when you say players on this one. I've
0: I've mostly got my head wrapped around it at this point, although I'm sure there are some minor details I could be tripped up on. But the, the most important point is that the adventure cards, the storybook cards with the alt frames are not the thing because those appear in regular packs. The only version of those that is the thing is common Uh, versions of those because they only appear in the collector boosters, which is so awkward and strange. Um, But I still don't really care much about those because they're commons. Um, What I do care about is the borderless rares that are underestimated, but have uh, that are interesting longer term, because they are, as far as we understand it, really only going to be out in the market for a few months before they mostly dry up in terms of additional supply. Like, Yes, there are now three different ways you could end up with, well, four different ways you could end up with collector boosters now. You could buy a collector booster box if you happen to get one at a cheap price like our Pro Traders did. Um, you could pre-order a box from your LGS of normal Throne of Eldraine and get one of them gratis if you were lucky enough to get in line quickly. Um, you can, buy, in theory, buy them at Walmart and Target and stuff. Um, in the late fall where they are supposedly going to be hanging on shelves. So one of the bigger questions is how long that will be going on. But since I think they're going to get priced at 30 bucks and they never discount in those scenarios, um, that doesn't really put any downward pressure on the card prices. And it's now we have this other thing we're going to talk about later in the episode, the deluxe edition, which puts, which, which does push a significant quantity um, out in the market. If that product sells out, um, there seems to be some debate as to whether that will happen because a lot of people feel like the price point is just ridiculous, but we'll get to that in a bit. Um, The point I was trying to make is that if fires of invention, um, borderless versions are available in like the 15 to $20 range. And if that's true of other cards like this, that I think could be underestimated in the short term, but definitely have a long-term pedigree. um, Yeah. I'll be happy to snap off bunches of those.
1: Yeah, I I mean I'm not I don't hate your your investment strategy here. I think it's a, a powerful card that does things that whenever magic cards let you do things for free, your attention should be paid. Um, there's a lot of viability there, and I was I was looking at several cards in standard to pick myself this week. I decided to wait another week or two to let them hit the market and let prices come down. But we're we're kind of thinking in the same boat. We're just kind of on different time frames here. Um,
0: yeah, and I think and I think you're absolutely right. Like the, the time to be buying most standard cards is not now. It was a week ago, kind of in the first hour after cards were revealed, and now you're waiting for peak supply. There's basically two frameworks for that. The first is the weekend of a release, which I think pre-release and release are the same weekend these days. Um, so there should be a rush of supply on the pre-release weekend. And a lot of players busy playing pre-releases and doing other things. So not necessarily in their seats at home, ready to buy cards um, because a lot of that will be going on on at their local shop. Um, And then the second thing is true peak supply, which is say six to eight weeks out from the release of the set when as about as much of it as is going to be opened has been and drafting is starting to tailor off, taper off and we're heading into the holidays where people stop spending money for a little while while they buy presents
1: mm-hmm the weeks before uh christmas are a good buying opportunity well people slow down and sell cards to buy gifts and you just kind of gobble them up
0: yep yep yep, yep. all right Your all right spec?
1: i like that i like the card i like the card i think uh i hope what was the other one that you went all in on was that aggressive mining <laughs> or... if, you, if you mean
0: other four mana red spell then yes um
1: yes that's the one i was thinking I of mean, the kn- other four mana red spell that you went deep on i always knew aggressive i hope mining. i hope it, i hope it is better for you i hope I, this is better for you i always
0: knew aggressive mining was a long shot but there's, there's really no comparison between the two aggressive mining forces you to jump through hoops to draw extra cards this card casts extra cards for free and if you're set up on board to make use of your regular mana in some way you could be doing the equivalent of three things per turn um Uh, Chris Van Meter pointed out on Twitter that you can on turn five or something in modern be carning into Microsynth Lattice uh, under fires because you could have enough if you were playing some kind of scapeshift variant, you could have enough lands in play already that you could cast both for free.
1: Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Uh, I mean, it doesn't you still can't cast three spells a turn, even if your mana works for you, but you can use your mana to activate abilities and things of that nature, right?
0: Which could be the equivalent of a spell. The the other thing yeah. is that this is yet another card that works with the free spells, so restore balance, uh, ancestral vision, and living end, because this thing casts things for free.
1: Now, now I like it. <laughs> now I like it. Now that we're talking about restore balance again. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's true. If you you know if you play, you can windmill slam some fun stuff and then have the lands in play to activate them. Let's you get some more use out of it yeah there's there's possibly uh there's possibly some juicy stuff in there definitely the type of deck I would want to play i'll I'll, tell you, I'll give you that much all right all right my first pick of the week is uh expedition map I'm looking at foils out of modern masters two I wrote modern masters four on the spreadsheet that's pretty wrong
0: Twenty
1: twenty fifth twenty fifteen but uh Foils of Expedition Map, uh, the Modern Masters 2 One specifically, are about $11 right now. Um, I think there are currently, there it is in, reported in just under 20,000 EDH rec decks. Um, obviously, has a lot of pedigree in Modern and uh, even Legacy. So Expedition Map gets a lot of competitive play as well as casual play. Uh, and there are currently, as far as I can tell, 11 foil copies on TCG Player. Near my 12 copies, yeah. Then yeah. I, I don't think anyone has more than two, or one guy has two. i so, if, you had,
0: if you had asked me, I would have said there was more than two printings of this, but there are not. There are just the two.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the Zenikar foil is like 25 or 30 or something like that. So you know, you snag these at 11. I can't fathom you won't get 20 to 25 for them. There's not a lot to say here. It's just. Ultra popular supply is really low. You're not going to see it again. Probably at least this set. At least in, you know you've got a couple months. I think you're well. You're gold.
0: You, my only caveat here is you definitely want to be in and out on this before it gets announced. The next master set gets announced because this would be a prime candidate to show up there.
1: I agree. I agree with that. I guess it's a question of are we getting another master set this fall? I
0: don't. That's yeah. the
1: bullet you have to dodge. I,
0: I don't know about that. The, i i give it 40 60 that they try to pull that trick again they, they haven't shown any restraint <laughs> in 2019 no. like absolutely none so maybe it's more 60 40 that they will do something um they, there was a um survey that was sent out to people through social media this week that was seemed to be uh Most of the questions were fairly generic ones that they ask on a regular basis, like what do you play and how often do you play it and how much do you spend on magic and blah, blah, blah. But some of them were very pointed questions about a commander product that had boosters that were different in each deck and that, sorry, were different deck to deck and might be different, uh, might have randomization within them. So for instance, imagine you, the next year's commander decks come with a booster pack in them. And it could have it has fifteen cards, but they could be fifteen out of fifty that are match the theme of your deck. Mm-hmm. So you could get lucky and get a foil mythic, alongside to play in your com- new commander deck, or you could get a bunch of junk, but all in the theme of your deck anyway. Yeah, it sounded like they were lining that up. Um, so that suggests to me that fancy new commander products are maybe a year off. Um, which means there might be something more obvious like a master's revisit. There, There are a lot of cards that need to get reprinted for modern to keep them in check. So wouldn't surprise me certainly within the next year to see that product. And, you know, it's not going to catch me flat footed if it shows up in late November.
1: It does seem like the type of thing that they really have no problem just running out. Because why wouldn't they? Uh, Right? Like, it costs them virtually nothing to send another master set to printers, you know, relative to the other products they make. Like, they come up with a theme, they shove in the, you know, the 30 cards they feel like they want to reprint. They build a limited set, you know, build a limited set around that. I mean, what does that take? Three weeks? Uh, And ship it off to the printers and just make money hand over fist. Uh, while making their player base happy for reprinting staples, right? It seems like a win-win-win-win-win. It could just be called yeah, Magic so,
0: Masters 2020 or something. I mean, that's yeah. bad, but yeah. something generic-ish that has a mixture of modern cards and EDH cards and maybe new cards, because they've already shown them with Modern Horizons. They're happy to do it, and that was a runaway success.
1: Yeah, it does seem like that is g- given... Well, yeah, I would say you... I would say UMA was popular.
0: Yeah, oh, I yeah. think
1: UMA was popular. Sure, it was from their perspective on the on their books. On their books, it had to be popular, right? Yeah.
0: And they could do box toppers again. There's plenty of options left. The so I'm a little worried that that might be a threat. But Expedition Map is the 18th most played card in the format. Tron is right. at its you know pinnacle and hasn't been knocked off the podium through any number of different things, including. Ho- you know, Team Hogax explosion this summer. So, um, yeah, I didn't realize that they were this scarce. This seems like a hot pick. Thank you. All right.
1: All right. What do you got for us? Uh,
0: so there's a foil on my radar. I was taking a look the other day when I was uh, covering your article for Monday, um, and I was looking at Plague Engineer and foils for that were like 40 to 45. And I was like, yeah, I was hoping they were cheaper. So I compared it to another card that sees about as much play in Modern and in other formats, Collector Oof. And Collector Oof foils from Modern Horizons are closer to like 28 to 30. That didn't line up in my head. Whatever Plague Engineer's foils are, Collector Oof's foils should probably be the same. And the ramp is already well set up. So I think if you, this isn't like a huge ROI play, but this is, A, if you want them for yourself, definitely don't wait because they're going to drain. And if you're looking as a reasonable say six to 12 month investment on these say get in close to 30 like there's been a bunch of eight percent off tcgs currently going on um, and there's 10 percent off uh uh, ebay bucks a couple times recently um we've also got significant discounts uh with our sponsor and and so forth and so on so get in on these 28 to 30 get off the train 45 to 50 within a year you're probably doing just fine so it's super strong multi-format staple ramps in place foils are starting to drain Look for a thirty-five to fifty percent return.
1: Yeah, the foil supply here is not deep. I'm seeing uh, thirty copies, maybe on TCG Player, and the price rises all the way up to fifty there, um, and several over thirty. So you, the number of copies below thirty, you know, you're, you've got a handful at thirty or less. Um, this isn't like a next month buy. But this is just going to sit in sideboards in Modern and Legacy. Probably show up in EDH with some uh, regularity here. I uh, it yeah, it, I don't think it, you can really go wrong So here's, with here's any the Modern
0: Horizons foil. Here's the stats. Plague Engineer is 26th most, most played card in Modern. 46% of decks run it and they usually run two. Often in the sideboard. Collector of is the 32 32nd most played card in modern 46% of decks run it and they run 1.7 so they are very similar in their st- statistical profile okay and you and you can okay. make the argument that OOF is more likely to be broadly applicable since artifact <laughs> decks aren't going anywhere and there are multiple varieties in modern that need to be kept in check and they tend to be very fairly degenerate thing everything from uh clan ironworks to affinity hardened scales affinity to urza stuff and so on and so forth um, whereas i feel like plague engineer is specifically against a few different decks that have a bunch of creatures of the same type or one toughness things that need to be dealt with. Um, Both strong cards, too much of a gap between the foil prices. So I think that that's a that's a tip.
1: Okay, I'm on board. I think it's a good choice. I think uh, it's a a slightly longer timeline than some of the stuff we talk about. But I think you're going to be you're You'll get paid off here. Seems unlikely that you won't. You really you could just write any card in here. Foil Modern Horizons. I'm probably going to like it. Just as a, a tip for you there, James, if you want right. my approval. What's your next one? Uh, 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 following up on all this, I'm going to go with another little sneaky one here. Uh, Combustible hulk Foils out of Kaladesh. You probably don't think about this card much. Um, it's in 7,000 EDH track deck, so Combustible hulk is reasonably popular. It's um, showing up in Anji most recently, but uh, it's still a popular card overall. Uh, like I said, the foils are around seven dollars right now, but there is real short supply on both the pack and the pre release foils um I think there are less than ten copies of each version there uh inventions are floating around i think thirty five and there's a there's a bit of a an inventory as as you know as much as inventions are going they have an inventory there's like eighteen or twenty copies. So those are not my favorite here. I like to pack and pre-release foils more, around $7. Um, again, supply is real short. We're looking at 7,000 decks. Um, so we know the demand is there. Potentially, it always seems like it could show up in Modern. We haven't really seen it so far, but I buy that it's a possibility. Um, so I think this is a nice, clean double up to maybe $15. bucks.
0: we have talked about this card before, and feels like the ramp has been in, in motion for a while and has taken its time to clean up but there's no denying that it's seeing see significant popularity in commander
1: yeah mine, both of mine this week are real straightforward but I think uh, you it's going to be hard to miss
0: yeah I've got a, a bonus pick here I just want to throw in before I forget about it it didn't quite make my list but I think it's a card people should have their eye on I'm talking about Niv-Mizzet Reborn um, this card oh. has top 8-ed for weeks in Modern. And it's only going to take a major camera, on camera t- top eight, to maybe put these over the top. You can get these for two bucks. With Nel- the non foil? Well, non foil, yeah, two bucks. And Brad Nelson was running a Fires of Invention variant that used NibMizit today in Standard. And he was like six and two when I checked in on him. Um, huh. And it, I think it was either three or four copies of Niv and four copies of Fires of Invention. I think it was three copies of Niv and four copies of Fires of Invention. Deck looked like it could do some work in the format. Um, but I would probably, as a starting point, given how deep the supply is for War of the Spark, I would take a look at foils because there's a pretty steep ramp formed on those. Look, looking like it's pointing to twenty to twenty-five dollar foils, and within the year, maybe twenty-five to thirty dollar foils. You can still get copies around 14 bucks, and I think $14 would say 8% off on TCG today would be rock solid. This card isn't like a huge player in Commander. Um, you know, it's only reported in a few hundred decks or something so far, but between Standard and, and uh, Modern, you might be able to get there if you get the right moment. Um, a little more risky than my other picks, so I didn't end up making my list, but that ramp is tempting.
1: Right. No, I think it's uh it's a nifty card and two bucks is the price point for a mythic where you're like, hmm, hmm. Uh, and I've got definitely got piles of mythics on my desk now and I have had them in the past that were roughly the same type of deal. Um, and, you know, the, the steep ramp on the foils is some, the type of thing I like to hear as well. So I think you're you're probably not going to be unhappy there. Card
0: Kingdom is paying 228 credit, 175 cash. Okay. Card you can pick up for twenty eight credit. So
1: I say it sounds like you're already in the green. Already in the, already in the black. Yeah. So that, that you're already in the green, black, and red and white.
0: It's it's entirely possible that this is and this blue. has some underpinned casual demand that's not being recognized. In which case, it, it was because it has a it has a flashy effect that appeals to Timmys and Johnny's. Um, can easily see this being a five to ten dollar mythic two years out just on that
1: Mm -hmm. did you get it because i i said it was in the black and the red and the white but you don't get any blue yeah right um so my final it's both right it's all of them my actual pick is the oh come on that was good
0: (laughs) my actual pick uh which i think is a don't buy these right this second but wait for your moment to pull the trigger pick is paradoxical outcome non-foils with the foils now fully dried up, if this if Urza starts showing up more in the paradoxical version, and it puts up a bunch of back-to-back top eights in major events, then I could easily imagine that paradoxical outcome, which is also good in Commander, also good in Vintage, um, could go from a dollar to two fifty on buy lists in the next three to six months, and that would be a nice little thing to add into an order you're sending in at some point. Um, inventory is relatively deep so i'm not in a huge rush and i think i have a bunch of these i picked up at 33 cents when they were in standard so i've already got my stash at an earlier price point which makes it easy to kick back and watch what happens but will not surprise me to see the buy list rise up on these currently buy lists aren't too excited i think they're in they're only offering about what i paid um but i'm curious to see what happens as this continues to make a mark on modern albeit in only one deck
1: Okay, so I think the pick is is fine, but I do have to point out on the sake of our listeners that you're recommending a card at a dollar to 250, which is exactly the type of thing that you have a tendency to go. These are the price spikes that we hate when we see them yeah 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 but yeah yeah
0: but let's let's be clear about why that why that sometimes happens like compare this to gorgon recluse foils from time sprial going from 59 cents to three dollars the issue is that a you're not going to have 50 of them that makes it worth paying attention and b you're you're not going to be able to sell them to a buy list like gorgon recluse isn't going to get there on buy list because this madness deck, deck is a passing fad whereas Uh, Paradoxical Outcome, if it's a four of in a major modern deck and a lot of the Urza players that are already playing Urza have to switch over to that version because it's a half turn faster or whatever, then Paradoxical Outcome could be one of the cards that Card Kingdom will take off your hands 200 copies at a time, dump 50 copies on cool stuff Inc., 50 to CFB and you're good. So it's really about whether you have an out. There's all these times where we see cards that are just old, that are only up 100 or 200% because there's no copies lying around, but nobody wants to pay you for them, including players. So important to differentiate between having 100 copies of something that you're expecting to buy list and, you know, one of these onesie-twosie things that's sitting around in your old foil binder.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, I completely agree, and I wasn't saying it was a bad choice. I just felt like I should draw attention to it because I'm sure some of our listeners were yelling at their podcast device of choice let's let, like what the hell you crap on these every time in segment one and now you're picking the same thing yeah, well big difference as i just explained
0: the i, I, yeah, I i'm not shy I at all about picking up dollar cards to go to four dollars i just want to be picking up bricks of them and i want to feel confident that it ideally the buy list already covers me like one of the really exciting things about these group buys we've been doing in europe for the pro traders where we've been spending like 20 or thirty thousand a pop is that we're getting cards that are discounted against European prices, where the European prices were already significantly lower than the US prices, so low that the buy list already covers us, where you're putting in a thousand or two thousand dollar order and you know that everything on that order can be turned over to a buy list with zero risk. That's a real sweet mm-hmm. place to be.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. and I you know, I have certainly picked a couple cards here. Um, I think I even mentioned one in the last week or two where, yeah, I picked, uh, last week I had both giant harbinger and sunrise sovereign with buys at like a dollar and a dollar 50. And I was like, look, you know, you're not, you don't feel like selling these on TCG player in bulk. Uh, but these are the type of cards that you can throw in, you know, a store will take four, six, eight of these, and you can toss them in with your order. Uh, and it, you know, you buy in at a dollar, now they're buying at three, you get some some store credit bonus. Uh, you know, it can represent a nice little percentage return there. Um, so I don't I'm not not opposed to it at all. Just uh, so just, just observing.
0: Cr- one giving card- you an
1: opportunity to highlight the subtle textural differences <laughs> between some of the yes. cards we talk about yes. on a weekly basis. Appreciate it. The um,
0: <laughs> one other card I bought twenty of the other day at twenty five cents, one of the only commons I've bought lately mystic sanctuary this was in response to an article that patrick chapin wrote um, and a bunch of other social media commentary i saw on the card Uh, his article was entitled mystic sanctuary is a messed up magic card (laughs) truly this card looks ridiculous for a common land and i could easily see this showing up as a four of in a couple of different decks in modern a four of in a standard deck and buy list hitting 50 or 75 cents so if you don't like a dollar to four dollars, let's talk about twenty-five cents to seventy-five cents, because that's what I think is going to happen with Mystic Sanctuary. <clears throat> There's a couple of reasons. It is way too much value for no almost no downside. The worst case scenario is you have a come into play tap land, and a lot of the time you're going to have a you've already fetched up your first island or steam vent, and it's going to be a just strictly better island for you, and it counts as an island. That's bonkers cakes. That means that it and uh, Jeskai decks in Modern can use Scalding Tarn to get a free redo on Supreme Verdict or Path to Exile or a, any number of different counter spells or Cryptic Command or uh, Lightning Bolt because they've got all this stuff in their graveyard. They're in the mid game. Now they're in the Attrition War and that land coming to play off a fetch that otherwise would have been dead because you've already got your lands that you need puts the card you know you need back on top as a selective play that doesn't draw you an extra card, but gives you selection that matters. And you can do it over and over again. If you have ways to recur this thing, which is going to be a little bit more common in Commander than it will be in, say, Modern or Standard, you can put this thing in and out of play a bunch of times and do all sorts of nastiness.
1: Yeah, this card is disgusting. I don't really understand it. Like, I I don't... (laughs) i don't understand all of the this whole land cycle is busted right both of the land cycles the common land types and the uh what rares with activated abilities all seem very strong and they're the type of cards that you know we really don't get into the habit we don't really get into talking about on this cast very often because like you said you know they're they're maybe 25 cents 30 cents you know they're not ever really going to be higher than a dollar at least not within the first year or two uh but they are the type of cards that enable all sorts of shenanigans so it's sort of like you know how good they are and you just kind of see where else they're working and then you go buy the mythics that are in the decks with the mystic sanctuaries but these are going to be everywhere right like Every blue deck in standard, every, every deck really is going to be playing as many of these blue or otherwise as they can. Uh, but there's just going to be so many copies of these on so many tables. Look, looking over the ten lands, the five common
0: and five rare, out of Throne of Eldraine, my pick for most important is Mystic Sanctuary. Easy. Then I think it's Castle Garenbrig. And then either Castle Lothwain or Ardenvale as solid utility lands that are gonna have a long, long history of doing work in Commander. Um,
1: I definitely do not have all of these <laughs> committed to memory so, at this so point. So the black
0: the black rare one um, enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a swamp. Um, and for what it makes black. For one black black, you draw a card and lose life equal to the number of cards in your hand. So if you're playing a mm-hmm. deck that say like a madness deck or an aggro deck in commander or a deck that wants to just be on operating on low cards at all times, this thing is going to do a ton of work. Especially if your ca- your average casting cost is low, and in commander losing life to draw a card is less of a thing because you've got a greater, you know, amount of that resource. So, um, <laughs> it. it I don't see how Mono Black decks won't run this just by default. It's just a strong utility land. The even Castle Ventress would probably would probably be my fourth because you can pay four to scry two at the end of somebody's turn and set up your next turn real yeah. nicely. I mean that's just solid utility with almost no downside. The rare and I, I think I got Mystic Sanctuary a little wrong. I suggested that if you had one other island that came into play untapped, you actually have to have three or more islands, or it, or it comes into play tapped it's the rare cycle that only requires one of the corresponding corresponding land type but still mystic sanctuary is gonna do so much nastiness and the combo that's probably most obvious in modern is like blue white control can lock people out with um cryptic command because you could bounce and do something and then do this again and get the cryptic command back and put it back on top so if it was tap all their creatures and bounce this you could just do that forever
1: Mm mm-hmm Yep. It is busted. I think um blue seems to really have gotten the the unfair half of the equation here. Uh, both of their seem so good. Well, you know, they've been pretty good about not just making blue the best colored magic for a while now. Uh but damn like uh,
0: Narset, Teferi, big Teferi.
1: Yeah, but they all have white in them. But Narsa doesn't. (laughs) a lot of them do. A lot of them do. Like, yeah, it's not to say that blue doesn't get good cards, but like, it's not like the, you know, the no competition that it used to be. But it's just like, okay, so they get both both of their lands, I think, are the best of their cycles, essentially. There's a lot of potency in there.
0: All right. So lots of cards to be thinking about, for sure. Let's pick our favorite this week. Um, I wonder if
1: the foils are going to be good. Of the foil mystic sanctuaries. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. What, whatever the low like, point but is, but I wonder those, like, I'm just gonna buy tons and tons and tons of that
1: what is the buy-in on that? It's right a now? common,
0: but whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think that's a huge deal.
0: You know you know what's funny? Is that not one of the only cards in Throne of eldraine that doesn't have alt anything? Because it doesn't get a story, it's not an adventure card. It's not an adventure card, and it's not a rare, a planeswalker or a mythic, so it doesn't have any alt treatment, right?
1: I I guess, I, I guess that so, sounds so there, right so there, enough. So there's
0: just so there's just Mystic Sanctuary and Mystic Sanctuary foils.
1: Hmm. Well, Which that seems help. even better. Then there are no foils on yeah. the market yet, but I mean, if you get these, do you like the? They're going to start at like Do you buy them at a dollar fourteen? Ooh. They're
0: gonna be fourteen ninety
1: nine. Yeah, you're probably foils right. are gonna be high. I don't foils think foils are gonna
0: be high. The the lowest yeah. you'll see them anywhere will be like nine ninety nine, and they'll be nine ninety nine to fourteen ninety nine until the market starts to fill in, and then people are gonna start undercutting the small fr- the small fish will start undercutting, and you'll start to see it get right. pushed down because it's a it's a common, so the the foils will show up, but th- whatever peak supply looks like on these, give me some yum yum yum.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm yeah, also yeah, yeah.
0: Ho- hoping that the the rare cycle, which does get the uh, Borderless treatment. Um, Castle Garenbrig, Castle Lothwain, and Ardenvale, I think, will be worth taking a look at because they're essentially masterpieces. Um, and there are... One of the things that's interesting here is that because everywhere and every mythic got an alt treatment um, one way or the other, that the odds of getting any given one in one of these collector booster packs is pretty low. So you're going to have to... and people don't really have access to that many of them like your average magic player might only handle one pack from the box that they pre-ordered they probably don't have access to a box unless they want to pay full market price which i i was selling boxes this week at 350 or so 335 to 350 um and if you're not paying that price then you're not getting access to these to any great degree unless you're buying the deluxe edition we're going to talk about in a little bit which is 450 dollars or whatever Uh, or you're going to take them off the rack at 30 bucks a pop. And I think that these are going to be, as we called real early, super high variance. When you're roll, you're going to be rolling some big dice on $30 packs of collector boosters. They could be anywhere from 10 to $15 to $200 worth of value. And you're just not going to know until the market settles out.
1: Yeah. I know that you said you pre-sold all of yours or most of them. And I, haven't yet, but probably will. I think. I don't want. I don't want uh, to just, just, just so, hang so that I don't have to here deal see with what it.
0: Happens. I want to take that money and reinvest it into the undervalued, uh, full like borderless rares and mythics that people that don't make a splash immediately and start to tank. Because if they're good long term, but they're not doing anything in standard, they're going to be great pickups.
1: Yeah, uh, pre sell your collectors boosters and use it to buy all the foil mystic sanctuaries you can
0: like i want to see what europe prices the great henge borderless at four weeks from now because right now the prices are kind of in sync with the us they're pretty expensive like i think they want 40 or 50 euro or something but i suspect it's going to get down under 30 euro maybe i mean certainly under 30 probably under 20 and if i see them at like 15 euro plus shipping and i can pick up four at a time or something hell yeah it, it, and we're probably... We're going to do a trader group buy for this stuff, too. So knock another 15 or 20% off the top.
1: It's going to be... uh going to be some juicy stuff out there.
0: Yeah. Def, def, def. Okay. So let's talk I, about I some of the decks that were showing up at the streamer showdown that we talked about earlier. Uh, Evan Irwin, uh, our good friend over at Cool Stuff, Inc., um, had posted some of the decks people were playing... Um, one of them was a Knights deck that was running four Fervent Champion. That's uh, a rare I have my eye on to possibly hit $10. Knight of the Ebon Legion, four Black Lance Paragon, four Stormfist Crusader, four Midnight Reaper, four Murderous Rider, four Oathsworn Sworn Knight, four Obnixless Cruelty, two Steel Claw Lance. That's the equipment that gives Crip Creature plus two plus two and only costs one to equip if you're equipping a Knight. Um, Volshock Morningstar did a lot of work back in Mirrodin days. Um, Icon of...
1: It's a throwback. And then
0: four, Icon of Ancestry. This is the, uh, core set artifact. Enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Knights, obviously. Knights you control of the chosen type. Knights get plus one, plus one. And then three, tap, look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card of the chosen type and put it in your hand. That gives this aggro ish deck some reach. Um, and they also have access to tournament grounds, which is the Tri land that they can only use to cast knights or equipment spells, and that's basically all the decks running. <laughs> so they have it a free Tri land.
1: Yeah, that is uh that is a, that is a strong land. Did they do the yeah. cycle for for other ones? For like did they this this is the Triland a cycle? No. But-
0: it's just for knights so just
1: one tr- one tribe got their own uncommon land
0: got it a, got a, a try which me i mean they're pushing knights right here that knights yeah, has yeah. to be a tier one deck this is just set up to happen um also i, mean, notable, I guess
1: i guess they did it back in Lorwin, right later they gave tree folk their well no they gave them all their own land it's just tree folks yeah. were a little differently yeah hmm.
0: also not- not- noticeable or noted notable <laughs> notable sorry i'm a little glucose low after the parkour um for fabled passage uh in this deck and i think this is going to be a theme i think fabled passage is the most played rare in standard um from this set and i think it has best chance of posting up at 10 to 15 and maybe even higher once we get to theros because i suspect theros is going to push us hard towards monocolored decks
1: uh, yeah, and I mean this. All right, this set already is designed
0: to lead into that. Uh,
1: yeah, it, it's got some interesting design elements for multi for stand for monocolor Um, they were talking about it, like Ari Lax and Sam Black, and those guys were talking about how it, the all the the hate is self referential, essentially. Um, like I don't know if you caught the the I hesitate to call it this, but the quote unquote new thought sees. Mm-hmm. um yep it ha- comes with a significant downside unless you're hitting black cards and there's a, there's some of that kind of all over the place um but boy so yeah that that caught that land is is and it it's hard to imagine that not showing up in virtually every standard deck right like it's just <laughs> well it's it's i mean there are no shocks so this is this this is a, basically just a fetch land. It's a fetch land in a format without sh- without dual lands.
0: Well, and the blue-red deck that somebody was running today, um, that's basically built around Arclight, Phoenix, and all the, uh, if you've drawn two cards as turn cards, um, they didn't run it for whatever reason. Um, but they were running four Fairy Vandal, four Craig Pyromancer. This is whenever you draw your second card each turn, you deal three damage to any target, and that's a zero four 4 for three. Um, for Arclight Phoenix, for the Royal Scions, people were talking all day about how this Planeswalker is also underestimated, that it does significant work in this deck. Um, you can give your Arclight Phoenix plus two, plus zero for strike and trample to get in there for a lot. You can draw a card, then discard your Phoenix to get it into the yard to set all that up. Very nice, very nice. Opt, Radical Idea, Thrill of Possibility are all draw spells that are looking to fulfill the requirements for your creatures in this deck. Four Chemisters, Insight, Ditto. And then for Improbable Alliance as a little bit of an alternate angle. This is the one that puts 1-1 blue fairy creature tokens with flying into play. It's a blue-red enchantment uh, when you draw your second card for the turn. So an alternate payoff that can basically be your lingering souls to you know, uh, against the decks that have point removal for your other creatures.
1: Yeah, this is, I mean Improbable Alliance is pretty clunky. Uh... Obviously, you just want to play two spells every turn. I mean, it's clunky, but maybe it'll work. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's no Bitter Blossom, but if nobody else gets Bitter Blossom, maybe you're okay with that.
0: And there was a Zvi Moshevitz green deck, apparently. I didn't watch all the streaming, so I'm not sure if he was playing it or he designed it. Four Gilded Goose, four Growth Chamber Guardian, three Paradise Druid, four Lovestruck Beast. Three Yorvo, Lord of Garenbrig, who I'm hearing good things about. Um, Three Questing Beast, four Feasting Troll King. Somebody was saying that this card is like uh, the Hogak standard. We'll see if that plays out that way. Uh, Two Nisa who shakes the world, four Once Upon a Time, four Giant Opportunity, two The Great Henge, and then 19 Forests and four of Castle Garenbrig.
1: Man, this is uh, is quite a deck list here. Yeah, the... So this is fascinating in that he's trying to... First of all, Giant Opportunity, I think, is going to be real big and standard. Uh, I think paying three mana to create three food tokens is going to be... Or a 7-7.
0: Seven, seven?
1: Yeah, and I think that that mode will probably get used less. I think just to be able to pay three mana for three foods is going to get used in a lot of green decks. Um I think we're going to see a good bit of gilded goose. I have seen that pop up a couple times because again, the food seems relevant. You're probably going to see that in giant opportunity travel in travel together frequently. Uh, questing beast. This is kind of the first we've really seen of questing beast so far. That's that keyword soup, just paragraph after paragraph and the downside, uh, but looking at this reminds me of the list that um, Ari Lax shared. And I think it was somebody else's list. And I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was. I just remember seeing Ari's. But it used something like Giant Opportunity. It used uh, Oko. Um, it used <laughs> Gilded Goose. It used Emery. Uh, and then there are a couple other commons and uncommons. Blue commons and uncommons at mill you four cards. And it was set up to... Cast Feasting Troll King from your graveyard on turn like three to four uh, regularly, and if you notice that Giant Opportunity is three foods right off the bat, and this is why you're going to see it with Feasting Troll King a lot because if you can get a Feasting Troll King into your graveyard anywhere early, you can turn three, cast Giant Opportunity immediately, return Feasting Troll King to play, which is pretty nasty.
0: Yeah. I mean, this. And look at all the pips, the green pips. Like, Yorvo's three and Feasting and Troll King is four. Like, don't tell me we're not leading into a crazy mono green deck with. Uh, <clears throat> again, I've forgotten the green god on Theros. I always want to say Naya. Nyssa. No, not Nyssa. Nylia. Nylia. Thank you. Yeah, Nylia. There's going to be a new Nylia card. <laughs> and this deck is going to be gross at that point, would be my guess. Um, Castle Garenbrig is like. Seems to be set up for big green at that point. And we've got the great, yeah, there's there's the great hinge too. Like big green is just has so much support. Like this deck looks nasty.
1: Um, big, yeah, Castle Garenbrig does cast Feasting Troll King on its own, yeah. So So you have to have five lands total, but
0: so big adventures. Uh, was an adventures style deck with Edgewall, Innkeeper, Flaxen Intruder, Giant Killer, Lovestruck Beast, Mysterious Pathlighter, uh, Wandermare, Beanstalk Giant, Realm Cloaked Giant, and Oakhaim Ranger. This is about just getting two for ones out of every card in your deck. It's just adventure after adventure. I have no idea if this was just to fool around with this today on stream and see if it was worth pursuing or if it's a real thing. Um, I do suspect that Realm Cloak Giant may end up being one of the more underpriced uh, mythics, um, currently sitting at about like anywhere from three to five dollars. Maybe that's a ten dollar card. Um, show me the show me the deck that's going to run four of them consistently and is consistently making top eights, and then we can talk.
1: Yeah, man. I told you before. I think that card's legit. I think uh, it might. It is competitive for best sweeper in the format. And then you just get a five minus seven, seven vigilance on the backside. If you care.
0: And as we said last week, it could be that the giant, the minor giants theme in turn of Eldraine is a setup for a more significant giants theme, um, come Theros. So,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm a fan for sure. Uh, and at three bucks, I don't think I'm a buy, but at $2, I could see going in. Cause I think that could hit six or seven.
0: Uh, There's also this Simic Flash deck, which is similar to the deck that, uh, I think this is one of the ones I saw Brad Nelson play today. This is Spectral Sailor, Brineborn Cutthroat, Wildborn Preserver, Brazen Borrower, 4 Frilled Mystic, 4 Nightpack Ambusher. That that card does work. He's just putting wolf after wolf into play. 2 Anticipate, 2 Essence Capture, Negate, 4 Quench, 3 Sinister Sabotage. It was like Blue-Green Tempo. They try to drop their important hmm. thing. You counter it with a frilled mystic. Drop a night pack ambusher. Defend it with counter spells and roll to victory.
1: This seems like you're really trying to make fetch happen, <laughs> but uh, maybe I don't know. This doesn't do anything for me. Uh, These types of decks are, rare, are good and standard very rarely. So
0: here's the Embercleave version of the Knight's deck. Fervent, four Fervent Champion. This is a Boros version, no black. Four Fervent Champion, four Venerable Knight, four Inspiring Veteran, four Sky Knight Vanguard, four Worthy Knight, three, four, three Acclaimed Contender. That's the Knight Searcher that I incorrectly thought was more powerful than it actually is for EDH. Two True Fire Captain, two Cavalier of Dawn, one God Eternal Oketra, a Gideon Blackblade, Two shining armor, three ember cleave, two circle of loyalty. That's a streamlined red white aggro deck with a lot of utility,
1: which is exactly the boat they want to be in. Um, I would imagine that the n- real knight deck will end up being essentially two color that splashes one, right? If if uh, if there
0: ends up being two versions of the knight deck, and the meta supports that, fervent champion could be the play. At 350, that could be a seven to nine dollar card. Maybe it's five fifty to six by list some given weekend before a big GP.
1: Mm-hmm. Card is pretty legit. I think it'll show up in a lot of strategies. Uh I think any deck that wants to attack is going to play for vent champion. Because there could be a knights deck that's a little more mid rangey and also a red deck that is just very aggressive. Sure. Both of those could exist. Alrighty. I'm just scrolling through these cards here to take a peek, but yeah. Oh, God! God Eternal Catra. That card is so good. That card is so good. Kind of surprised that I hasn't seen more play so far.
0: Feels like it yeah. feels like in a, you know, three or four years ago it probably would have. <laughs> there are a lot yeah. of powerful guards in standard right now. Um, so look at mm. you. You want to look at, just browse on through some of these modern five O lists from this week. Anything specific catch your eye?
1: Um, Not so far. I'm mostly seeing the same type of thing we saw before, but there's so many lists in here. Um, Stone Forge peeking her head in. There's some are you for you. I am um, going on
0: in my coverage of your article on Monday. I
1: called out foil snow
0: covered island because it is now yeah. now the top five most played lands in modern including basics yeah so the other three are basic and the fourth one is bloodstained mire
1: <laughs> yep that sounds all about what i would e- roughly expect bloodstained mire secretly like the most the best fetch in the format and has been forever but still can't hold a circle the or Does hold sc- a candle to the scalding turn scalding turn yeah
0: but i mean Snow-covered islands foil have to be underpriced a year versus, say, 12 to 18 months out. Because only because Europe got double the amount that North America did and all of that's been flowing into the buy list over here is are these not already much more expensive than they are now? Right. Like they were headed in that direction and then the euro vendors cracked infinite boxes and shipped them over here and made so much money <laughs> like they were getting anywhere from like three to eight dollars depending on which one we're talking about including selling hundreds of them to our pro trader members um and that's just free in the modern horizons boxes because though, in, in the european boxes that's two slots every box that just adds 10 to 15 dollars in value and long term for people cracking boxes out of europe you're you could be adding 30 to 40 dollars in value you know snow Mm -hmm. snow covered swamp could end up being 15 to 20 and a snow covered island could end up being 30 to 40 and you know what do you think the what do you think the september 2021 price is on a box of modern horizons
1: Mm, what is it today 170
0: i did i mean i just got one for eight dollars sure
1: probably 350 this will probably double for two years
0: like the week that we hear that they are distributors are out of them (laughs) they're gonna jump 50 30 to 50 bucks overnight
1: Yeah, I mean a box a, a box doubling in value is actually pretty significant, right? Like that doesn't happen because the average value of the box has to double. So like one card spiking doesn't do enough. You have to have a whole set move well to push a box price out. My er, but, my
0: earlier point though was once the box is at a print, that's not true. Once the box is at a print, the EV decouples from the price of the price of the box and the price of the singles um, because vendors can no longer just order more boxes to to try to break the EV and push it back down.
1: So uh, you, so you're ha- I half agree with you. I think we both feel that we both think this, but I, we should clarify here. I agree with you that the the EV of the set the EV of the set can't get too far ahead of the box value while the set is in print. Correct. Although, it, because, although, in this case, it's
0: $40 a head. Let's start from that position, sure. which is already extraordinary. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I agree for sure. And sometimes you have, uh, what do they call it? A very, uh, there's a lot of friction in the market that can generate the result in those types of gaps. But in set or not, that box has, opening a box has an expected value. And if it costs you three hundred dollars to buy this box, you would expect the EV of opening the box to be roughly three hundred dollars. And if the cards in the set, distributed in the way that they are distributed in a box, aren't going to give you much more than three hundred on average, the box is still only going to cost about three hundred dollars. Yeah, I, 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 like, I disagree.
0: I don't think I don't think the market uh, makes that calc. the The only thing that ever holds what? holds those two things together um is the wholesale price of the box it's never about ev because the average player doesn't even look it up so it doesn't impact enough retail decisions to decide whether the box sells there is however an argument to be made about box prices getting so high that at certain price tiers you knock big chunks of people out of the market because whether or not the ev justifies the box and at a certain price point it almost never will Um, like for instance a box of innistrad is whatever hundreds of dollars but that's not the EV of a box. The EV of a box of Innistrad is way, way lower. People still buy boxes of Innistrad, but it's for two reasons. One, it's basically a collector's item now. It's also the, a shot at an original foil lily. So it's a bit of a lottery ticket. But it's also known as a great draft format. So at a certain point, the boxes become collector's items as a, for people that collect a box of each set or whatever, as opposed to being anything about EV. Um and I think that what's going to happen with the EV of Modern Horizons is it's going to skyrocket out ahead of the market price of the boxes and drag it up behind it. I think this is going to be a really weird scenario where like 6 to 12 months out from the last wholesale shipments, you're going to see boxes, like you said, I think your price was about right, 350 to $400 maybe. Um, but EV might be even higher. There's so mi- So many this- of the Mythics are playable.
1: This is fascinating because we so rarely disagree on a point on any sealed box. Especially as it gets older, there's a collector's there's a premium on collectability, Um, you know, a sealed whatever goblin elves elves versus goblins was a good example, right? A sealed elves versus goblins used to be like two hundred dollars. I haven't looked up the original price point or the price point for the original one today, but it was extraordinarily expensive and the value of the cards inside was way lower than that, but there were very few printed and it was valuable as a collector's item. So that is absolutely true, right? That is true. Just like a sealed alpha box would be worth even more than the EV of the cards within it, just by virtue of being probably the only one in existence. Uh, and at the same time, you also have a good bit of friction and I agree the average player isn't doing the math, but the guy with the box might be right. If I'm cool, if I'm cool stuff, Inc. and I've got a sealed box, of future site that somebody trades into me and I'm like, well, what do I do with this? Well, it looks like on eBay, they sell for maybe $700 or so. And there's a couple floating around on that price point. Uh, but you know, my numbers are telling me the EV and opening this box is $900. Maybe I just open it or maybe i crack it and sell the packs rather than the singles right like you half open it um, i think that the the price of a sealed box and the price of the contents within it are generally going to track they're going to track linearly with a margin of error involved for friction and people not bothering to do the math of i don't know maybe even 20% but i still think they track closely mm,
0: i, I could prove to you easily that they don't the Innistrad's uh, expected value is somewhere around, let's see, something like, like h- less than a hundred dollars, and that box sells for three, four hundred dollars, right? The Kaladesh boxes I pointed out on the Pro Trader forums today—they're selling regularly in the one forty to one seventy range on eBay, and the TCG low average coming out of those boxes is sixty bucks, and that's because. They're out of print, so it has decoupled from the EV because it was never about the the players establishing working within the EV um, matrix. It's about stores cracking boxes because the EV is so high that they can do that profitably. And once that stops being true, they stop doing it. And once they stop having access from distributors, they have to stop doing it because they just don't have access to any more boxes. They've got to buy them onesie twosie in the market like everybody else. And and that and mm-hmm. that's when you see the decoupling. And they in the boxes just diverge. Kaladesh boxes are as high as they are because they have the best version, the most desired version of the masterpieces. And that's why it's going to outsell every other box in that 5-year spectrum. Because the only thing the other thing that's even close is Battle for Zendikar. Um but Battle for Zendikar has great expeditions, but really bad other cards. Whereas Kaladesh gives you chances at paradox engines and uh flux reservoirs and um, all the other artifact goodies that make that set busted.
1: Uh, we could get into this, but that seems well. It's counterproductive. It, it's to the it's rest probably of worth episode. an article.
0: Like I'm happy to to write it up and do the extent more extensive research to back it up. But this is. You know, this isn't just something I came up with off the top of my head. I've been tracking this stuff for years along these lines.
1: Yeah. Where's the box? No, I want the box. The the
0: counterpoint you've got to summon is show me a bunch of standard boxes that are where they are being held back by their EV. Which exists, but in cases where the the set has nothing else to offer. Like Ixalan boxes are super cheap right now because what are you going for? There's no masterpiece type thing. So there's no lottery ticket aspect to it. There's no collectability aspect to it. They're not uncommon or hard to find. That set didn't sell that well. So there's tons of it in still sitting, rotting around at retail. So that price is going to be held back for quite some time. But sets like Modern Horizons that have a double the usual cost basis which basically underpins rares and mythics being able to be twice as expensive, and sets like War of the Spark that are just insanely deep with good cards, 20, 30, 40 cards, um, over a few thousand uh, reported on EDH Rack, and sets like Kaladesh with tons and tons of artifact staples, those are the sets you're going to see decouple the, the hardest with huge variance between EV versus what the market will support.
1: Mm -hmm. I would have to go back and do a bunch of data digging on a lot of different data points to build a picture here. Uh, And like I said, there is a a factor for collectability and appreciation of a a box being sealed, which can be, I think in some cases considerable, like Innistrad certainly demonstrates that being sealed carry, can carry quite a, uh, quite a value to it. Um, But let's let's move off of that for now uh in this modern list here the modern event i did find a arbor elf so it's an it's arbor elf with uh utopia sprawl right we're familiar with that one he's got overgrowth in there he doesn't have, which is the one that taps, for- when you tap the land, you get t- double green. He doesn't have uh, Lotus Field, which is what I was expecting as soon as I saw Overgrowth. He's got both Kiora, Master of Depths, which is the old <laughs> one from Battle for Zennikari <laughs> yep. that untaps the land, and Shakes the World, which adds additional mana when you tap. And then he's got he's got three Hydroid Crisis. Uh, he's got Voracious Hydra, which wow. is the one from M20 that you get to either double the counters on it or fight a creature when it comes into play. Uh, and he's got three Tooth and Nails for the Xenagos combo with um, a couple other odds and ends here. So this guy's playing... Tooth uh, and Nail? Playing some good... Yeah, three Tooth and Nails, yeah. Wow, that's a wild deck. Here's another one that's... That guy's got a plan. Here's another
0: one that's almost as crazy. This is Black Red Deck. Chandra, Accolade of Flame. Three Liliana of the Veil. Four Pestilent Spirit. This is the two Black 3-2 out of uh, the last Ravnica block um, menace death touch and instant and sorcery spells you control have death touch and it's running four oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's running four gutshot three culligan's command and four lightning bolt <laughs> then it runs okay. then it runs four rick's moddy reveler that's the uh, Ravnica card that allows you to discard a card when it enters the battlefield to draw a card and if its spectacle cost was paid which is two black red you instead discard your hand and draw three cards Two Rotting Regisaur, that's the seven sixth for three that forces you to discard a card, and four seasoned pyromancer. Three Claim to Fame, which allows you is basically a Unearth um, for two casting costs or less. Three Inquisition of Kozalek and three thoughts three Thought that, that that is way out of left field <laughs> versus what's going on in modern right now, which is already quite diverse.
1: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that is something else um i have here a technically it's teamer although really it's is it uh deceiver exarch deck with uh renin six it's deceiver exarch with renin six um and then it uses the kiki jiki Pastormite combo and then a pile of spells but i mean they're shoving renin six in a kiki jiki deck here four co- i mean that's four colors that's, that's that's not green on turn four that's green on turn two yeah Four color snow. So you're bending over backwards to pull that off. Four
0: color snow control was doing a lot of work at the Legacy GP this weekend. Arkham's Astrolab and a Run and Six all over the place with Ice Van Quaddles and other shit.
1: I just wanted to see if I could buy Run Sixes at Channel Fireball with my store credit, but they are out.
0: Um, there's a crazy green Stompy deck. It's running four Crag and Whip Cremator, Fauna Shaman, Galta, Glorybringer, two Impervious Great Worm, one Night of Autumn, Magus of the Moon, four Noble Hierarch, a Rampaging (laughs) Ferocidon, Scavenging Ooze, four Steel Leaf Champion, four Strangle Root Geist, a Surrock the Hunt Caller, and a Tireless Tracker with three Eldritch Evolution, an Eladomri's Call, and three Lightning Bolt.
1: is this guy just playing red and green cards I own?
0: (laughs) More or less. (laughs) some of these decks i have to right, see i have yeah, to see yeah, in motion to understand how they woke up that morning and they were like you know what is missing in modern right now this deck green red mid-range. there's a
1: ju- just guy ascendancy deck down here with uh he's got the f- wait, where to go <sighs> four glittering wish in the main with the one just guy ascendancy in the sideboard and three in the main uh he's got echo of Aeons in there. Other than that relatively standard list although the last time we looked at this, it's been a while. Still but still, this guy's still seeing out there, still, still doing Still seeing
0: stuff. Grixis and Mardu Death Shadow do work, still seeing Tron out there, mm-hmm. still seeing uh, prob- if anything a resurgence of dredge decks post Hogak um, doing lots of work. There's a there was a zombie list in here that went five oh. This format is extremely diverse. There's a, there's a yeah. elementals deck five in here.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Four of Yawgmoth deck. Thran physician. Yep.
0: That was the zombie one, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I wouldn't call this a zombie deck. No, it's got three quarter calling for Eldritch evolution. Oh no.
0: Different deck. Uh, That's a different one.
1: Yeah. It's, it's got. I mean, it's got to draw some messenger, but uh, yeah, four of guys, four messenger, four birds, some other ones and two of us, four wall of roots. Here,
0: here's an here's another week with Niv Mizzet bring delight five owing. Deck is real. It's been every week for the last six weeks. Really, every every mm-hmm. deck dump. I don't think there's been a deck dump. And yes, they're curated. They're picking out the funky decks to make it seem like it's more diverse than it really is. There's tons of Tron out there, but. Nevertheless, <laughs> different players running Niv are still five owing on a regular basis.
1: Yep, yep. So modern's looking pretty good. Uh, I'm seeing. Let's see, Ren and six. I have five results on this page. Urza, and I only have two results for Urza. I wonder if that how force that is. What the actual numbers would have looked like.
0: Hmm. All right, so to wrap things up, we got a couple of things we need to discuss. One was the announcement on TCG Player this week of a new program called TCG Infinite. And this was invite-only to start with. Um, you have to apply to get an access code. And it's basically $6.99 a month to get their version of... I don't know what you call it. It's a bonus bucks program, essentially. I wanted to say Amazon Prime, but that gives it way too much credit. This is basically all your magic cards are shipped free as long as they're TCG Direct, which certainly helps the direct sellers, um, and it's regardless of how many cards you buy. So just free shipping period. You get infinite bonus bucks, which means you earn up to three percent store credit on all qualifying orders every single day on top of other promotions. And I think you need to definitely need to read the fine print on that. But I suspect that you know in some If they're offering 8, you might be getting 11 if you commit on a year-by-year basis. I think, like, at first you only get 1% off, and after three months they give you 2% off. And if you're still with it after a year, they'll give you 3% off. Maybe there's an option to sign up for the year in advance so you get 3% off right off the bat. I haven't signed up yet, so I'm not 100% sure, but we'll probably report back on that next week once I have. Apparently the bonus bucks are only available on orders of $35 or more. So smaller orders, it doesn't count. And your store credit... can't be more than 50 so don't go thinking you're going to buy black lotuses on here and get massive bonus bucks back
1: you're signing up for it
0: well i will probably sign up just to see what it like get the full details um or i can just ask a pro trader that's already signed up and they can give you some screenshots but yeah i do want to see what this is i mean seven bucks to get the intel on this is nothing um, because I used to spend a lot on TCG Player, it was probably the, my number one go-to place. But that was maybe two years ago. That was before they introduced taxes. Although this week I realized that Card Kingdom now charges tax in Ohio, including if I spend credit on cards. So that Ooh. that immediately stung <laughs> stung my three thousand in credit with them for like seven percent.
1: Yeah, that's pretty brutal.
0: That's rough. Because they gave me no warning, I on, don't no warning on that ahead of time. And CK doesn't go to GPS, so it's not like I can ask them to transfer the credit to the floor and dodge the tax. Now I can yeah. I can have them ship to Canada to dodge the tax, but then I'm probably going to get hit with tax at my border, which is higher. My debt, mm. my tax is thirteen percent. So unless I dodge that tax, I'm out of luck. So <laughs> the only solution I can think of is I have to get a pro trader and our pro trader community is very friendly. This is the kind of thing we do for each other all the time to take the, the shipment in a state. That's not yet being taxed and get the hell out of Dodge on my credit and carry, start carrying a much lower credit value. So I could that's... buy three grand worth of cards relatively easily by focusing on hundred to $200 cards or a couple of reserve list things, ship them to somebody in Florida and then have them bounce it to me. It's a lot of work. So not really. I mean, it'll take me five minutes to set that up. Um, just got to ask somebody for a favor, get their address, and ship it. No biggie.
1: That's, I mean, that's already like three steps. That's so many steps. <laughs> yeah, but
0: they take me a minute and a half to type while I'm doing 10 <laughs> other things.
1: <laughs> right, MMO, I, uh, I've got
0: 43 tabs open on my browser right now. I'm sure I can handle the extra little task. Um,
1: may, I don't know. Maybe this is the straw that breaks the camel's back.
0: Uh, I don't know. If, if my brain re- do not show up for the podcast next week, you'll know what happened.
1: That was it. That was it. I uh, my read on this is it's i three percent cash back. I mean, you have to spend a lot of damn money at TCG Player for that to really start to ever matter a significant portion. Well, uh, you're paying, you're paying
0: I, seven bucks a month for it. So let's yeah. say that that saves you say half of those savings are on shipping, and the other half are how much you're spending. Then you've got to spend. If you spend a hundred bucks, you're getting 3% back. So that pretty much gets you there. So you definitely need to be spending more than a hundred a month to be thinking about this.
1: Yeah. And it has to be in chunks of $35 or more. Uh, And so, you know, if you, if, if, if we're saying a hundred dollars gets you roughly break, even $200, if you spent $200 a month, you might month after month, after month, that's making you $7 a month. I don't like feeling that there is a requirement that I spend that much every month. That Feeling like I have to spend that much every month isn't worth the $7 to me. I don't love that. I think that this is probably bad for almost everyone. I'm not saying there weren't, aren't people who it'll be good for. But I think those scenarios will be rare and few and far between. Even at my heyday, I don't think I would have come close to this. This has got to be for like small vendors. Even then, why are they spending that much money on TCG Player? Mm.
0: TCG Player still definitely can be the place that is below market price. When CK puts some price, some spiking staple up to $20 and everybody else is around the same, you're still some dude who's got it at 16 on TCG. And so even with the tax, even if you're playing local taxes, you're probably still fine if their shipping is free or it's $0.99. Cents. And so I, I buy there, but it's just not as much as it any uh, anymore, especially because we're doing these group buys in Europe now with ProTrader. So, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to justify picking up cards at $3 when you can pick them up at $1.15. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I guess I guess the market for this is actually a pretty active speculator who doesn't who isn't really operating in Europe or at the very least is doing both. Um, And, you know, obviously, if you're into this, you can spend one hundred dollars, two hundred dollars on one spec. You know, doing that multiple times a month probably isn't that hard. Uh, but the number P and really at that point, if you're just doing it, we, week- you know, if you go back and check your TCG invoices and see you've done that for the last seven months, uh, I mean, you might as well, cause you're already there, but it definitely seems like that's a pretty niche market. Like, I think they're going to get a lot of people to sign up for this who are nowhere close to it, it being a worth it for them. Probably going to lose money on it. Honestly, we'll see uh, in, in
0: theory, this is a loyalty program but it's these kinds of things are really tricky when you're not the one actually selling the product and it's tightly tied to tc direct tcg direct for a reason because they take a way higher fees on direct that allows them to support percentage points worth of a marketing program hmm. it, if the idea here is this is the program intended to push more people both vendors into using direct and uh buyers into paying attention to Direct, then maybe that's the angle that that may end up making sense for them. Because TCG loves the extra percentage points they, they claim through Direct. And we have some buyers on ProTrader that even though they're getting hit with what to me seems like an outlandish percentage, remember they send all their inventory in once, well, every so often on staggered occasions, say every six weeks or eight weeks or whatever. And then it's just dealt with by TCG player. They pack it, they ship it, they deal with the complaints and they verify your condition up front so that whatever complaints happen is between them and that person, not you. So mm-hmm. that's worth something. And the higher your hourly is, the more it's worth. Um, And, and, and I'm at the point <laughs> where like...
1: Good thing my time is useless. <laughs> if T, yeah,
0: if TCG player was... Super effective, like available to me in Canada. I would at least be probing all of this out, like running some tests, putting some inventory into direct, running another account without it, and seeing which one I thought worked better. Um, the thing that always turns me off TCG in general is these weird breakpoints um, where you basically have you you have to get to understand their math and figure out what price points for cards make you optimize your ROI. Um, which is unique to that platform, because I don't really have to worry about that anywhere else. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's let's wrap up with a discu- quick discussion of the Throne of Eldraine Deluxe collection that was unveiled this week, <laughs> because the, the Throne of Eldraine product mix wasn't confusing enough, given that we already had regular boosters and boxes, Brawl decks, Planeswalker decks, Collector boosters and Collector booster boxes, with... Not one, but three dri- different card treatments inside, and a strange mix of availability for everything from the buy a box promo to common adventures in alt art, um, and everything in between. Uh, I guess there's also arcane signet only showing up in the brawl decks, so much going on. And wizards just figured, it, you know what,
1: it's still
0: too simple, so let's throw yeah. you this curveball. What do you all think of a $450 product, which comes in a admittedly beautiful box? And as someone who is in product design, this is the best magic box I've ever seen. So I'm going to buy one on eBay for $10 or whatever.
1: The box is cool. Sure. Whatever. It it comes with a binder with a... Wait, wait, no. Hold on. Let me outline this. Let me outline this. This is $450. Let me tell you about all the stuff that you get that you don't care about. A set theme binder, an art print of Garrick, a three by three foil cut foil sheet. Like like, so they're not actually cards. It's just it's just another picture. Uh, an MTG Arena card with some microtransactions. Who cares? Some MTG Arena cards that you probably don't care about. You get a bunch of crap that you don't care about. Four hundred fifty bucks. Here's what you do get: one non-foil Kenrith the Return King, one Garrick. Borderless Planeswalker, of course, now there's even more supply of these, so they're a little less special. And then the meat of this, the part of this is that you're wondering why am i paying $450 for this thing, is 16 collector's boosters, which I will spare you the math, if you just divide the boosters across the $450, it's like $28 a pack, which is quite high right now, I believe cuz what are they what are they right now like 19 bucks, 20 bucks I think on no, average. Dude,
0: they're $30 plus. What are you talking about? I'm selling boxes for Oh, th- okay, are I'm,
1: they really? We were I'm, talking about I'm, buying I'm, these I'm, at like tw- listen, 20. Listen, listen.
0: I'm I'm selling. <laughs> I'm selling 12 packs. Keep in mind that one of the things that's super funny here is the collector booster box only has 12 packs in it. This thing has 16. So, 16 and street price like retail on these is going to be 30 minimum cuz that's going to be the the Target Walmart price. So that's $480 in value right there, which is why I think that people complaining about this box set are hilarious. They've given you a million other ways to enjoy this set. The question here isn't whether or not the value is in the box. The the value is clearly in the box. (laughs) However, there's still significant questions about the variability of the value in any given collector booster. Because when they opened up, they opened a bunch of collector boosters for the first time on the unveiling cast um, and hit jank, which is what you and I said was going to happen. Because this is a masterpiece set built around every rare and mythic in the set, which includes a bunch of jank. And the way that they've slotted these packs, you've only got two or three slots that could really turn out very, very well for you. You've got the um, basically borderless rares and mythics. The Borderless Planeswalkers, the Adventure Cards in Foil, and the Common Adventure Cards Alt-Art, which only appear in here. And I suspect that if you open enough volume of these, like sixteen packs is a reasonable amount, you're probably going to do fine, especially in the long run, because these are all going to dry up in a three-month period. There's a bunch of different distribution points now, and certainly it is not inconsequential that these, you know, if they sell 10,000 of these $450 sets on October 4th I believe. Um they go online on the second, on October the second. New Magic Store. Um then that's a significant an- amount of collector boosters, right? That's 10,000 times 16. So you're getting 160,000 more packs into the market. Not trivial. Um, that plus Target, plus Walmart, plus Amazon, plus the Collector Booster boxes, which I, we already calculated to maybe be 10 or 20,000 packs worldwide, um, plus the ones that are getting given out as box toppers when people are pre-ordering, means we're not really sure how much of each of these borderless rares and mythics, for instance, exist in the wild. Could be 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, 25,000. We're going to have to see. If this thing flops, if it they sell a few thousand that end up shutting it down, you know what? Wizards is not gonna give a shit because it's a four hundred and fifty dollar pile of paper. And yeah. most of it is assets that they already had covered the costs of in other projects. So this is all upside for them. This is a very worthwhile test from a from a business management perspective because they are testing the upper boundary of the hobby. If this sells out at 450, oh boy, then all bets are off. You're going to be complaining about this stuff for years because they're never going to stop. And I guarantee you they've already got one of these lined up for Theros at minimum. And it might be the set after that as well. And then after that, they're going to reconsider. But I'm willing to bet that in the same way that the Mythic Editions were lined up for a three three set block, these are lined up for a three set block. And we're gonna get three of them in a row. They're always they're gonna be 450. Maybe the next one they tweak the value a little because there's a few things here that people clearly didn't respond well to. Um, first of all, they made it too confusing to evaluate the EV of the collector boosters, so nobody really knows what 16 of them is worth, and that was clearly supposed to be the thing that you hang your hat on. They're overestimating the value of arena mega codes because those of us that don't play value that at zero. Um, I think people are totally underestimating the foil strip, though, because the three x three can be cut up. Like at minimum, well, it's you, yeah. you. You can cut up a three by three foil strip yourself. It's bigger. Bigger sheets are harder to manage in your home because you got to unroll the damn thing, and you got to try to <laughs> try to line it up, and you're gonna fuck it up. Like Cliff tried to do it with his War of the Spark sheet and with a die cut thing he got, and it was not good. But yeah, with, I mean, with for a, sure. if, if you just want to cut up some foils to use in your commander decks, you'll, you can pull that off with a pair of scissors. You just, you gotta just, or even, no, you don't even need scissors, really. You can just put it on one of those like zit, zit things they have at like in school arts and crafts classes where the, the, uh, the cutter is a pressure cutter,
1: right? The paper cutter. That, that'll yeah. give
0: you, that'll give you a nice clean cut. And then you just got to fool, yeah. around, fool around with the corners, but that's not like for commander. That's not a big deal.
1: P- People can't put value on this because they can't play it in anywhere other than their commander deck. These are essentially wizard-supplied proxies. Sure. And your 3 you by 3 could these. be a bunch of
0: garbage. But your right. 3 by 3 could also show up with like two cards with $40 in foil that you might actually want to take the time to cut. <laughs>
1: so... Yeah, that you don't have to bother with anymore. That you don't have to buy anywhere
0: else. So, I mean, I I think that the value of this box was like one great thing short of being a home run at the price point for the people that can afford the price point. I think that almost no matter what they put in here, unless it's proven staples like people are used to getting in masterpieces and mythic editions, the people that don't really want to cough up $450, we're we're never going to do it. And let... You know, people only want to do that when it's like, oh, we're going to give you Jace the Mind Sculptor Masterpiece. Does that sound like a good deal to you at $300 total? Yes, yes, sir. It certainly does. Because I've already seen on eBay I can flip it for six fifty. Like, they're, yeah. they're trying to segue away from that into more of a collectors will value this. And I'm sorry, but the, these kind of whales exist. Like, this product is for my dad. He's going to buy it. Well, he's going to love it he's he'll never complain about it he's just he'll cough that money up like it's nothing
1: Uh, i i didn't realize that the collector's boosters EV had risen as high as it has uh so that makes this more palatable and i guess in retrospect the wizards very rarely if ever releases products that are priced higher than their sort of market msrp um Well, we knew we knew and I I, 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 regardless, I think people getting cranky about it are off base just as they've been off base with every other time they've complained about this type of stuff, because this is if you're angry that they're selling a $450 box fine, don't pay for it. Like you're clearly not the market like
0: it's it's the idea of like it's just FOMO, right? It's people thinking I don't want this company to make any product that I will not be capable of buying. And I don't want to feel overwhelmed, like I can't get the whole set. And that there, there's some like validity to this. Like you could push people off the track of commitment if they feel like they can just never keep up. Because some people, especially in magic, there are definitely personality types that are completionist by nature and very organized like to have everything in the collector binder they like to know they've completed things and when you hit them over the head with this many things at once you got to get the regular set you got to get the alt arts for the stories you got to get the collector boosters because that's the only place you can get this other stuff you got to get the brawl decks you got to get the planeswalker decks now you got to get the 450 dollar thing they're trying to get like they're reaching for 1500 to 2000 per person per set
1: (laughs) and it might not work but it's Which is down from, what, 200? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... You know, six years ago?
0: Yeah. So to suggest to somebody that they shouldn't be trying this is silly. This is a for-profit company. And if players wanted to have a living card game, they should have taken control of Magic years ago. They've had the tools forever. I, a bi- the community is big enough that we could just steal this game out from under them and run it if we wanted to. But everyone's too lazy. So here you go. Here's a four hundred and fifty dollar thing. Do you want it or not? You don't? Cool. Go buy a normal booster box. They're still available at the same price that they've been for years.
1: Yeah. I mean, I this is just beating a dead horse. We've been down this path before and how people react.
0: So what we didn't comment on uh, was the financial viability of this product. So from an MTG finance perspective do I intend to buy this I will probably get one but that's because not because I think it's going to be a strong flip that beats the ROI of the rest of my stuff Um, my portfolio is going to outperform this thing because its price is so high to begin with that to double up would have to go from 450 to 900 minus fees that's not going to happen what it is probably going to do is sell overseas for about 600 to 650 maybe 700 because Even though they announced that they're selling it through magicstore.wizards.com to a bunch of countries outside of the U.S. and Canada, those people have to pay ridiculous taxes, ridiculous shipping, and they're not going to want to do that. So instead, they're going to rely on the U.S. market to buy extra copies and then ship them to them on the sly. And and then there's also a big list of countries that can't get it at all. So if you put up your eBay listing with we'll ship to anywhere minus whatever, Italy, Brazil
1: the countries well you don't even have to deal with that you can just enroll in the global shipping program True. It's, True. i say enroll True. but it's literally one checkbox that says yes i'm okay with this and you ship it to True. ebay's True. us distribution point and ebay handles it True. from there and they deal with charging the guy so yeah it's very easy on that front mm-hmm. i mean, yeah yeah i mean that's one way to go with it i don't i mean i don't think you're going to miss buying this it's just a lot of money to tie up in something that might take –
0: a little while to churn through and keep in mind we were getting our 12 packs overseas for less than $200. So that means we got for, for I was spending 400 for 24 packs. This is more than 400 for 16 packs. So of course, I should just buy more of the other stuff. And the people that the people yeah. that are selling us the boxes of 12 are now telling us they can get us loose packs. Unsearched loose packs. So So if they can give us the same kind of price on loose packs, then why would I plow money into this? But that obviously is pro trader specific.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, it's it's I I think the takeaway here is if this sells out. Yeah. Theros will probably get the same thing because the turnaround time is too short. But I could see, uh, what is it? It's after Theros. I'm gonna call it Kiora, even though it's I not Kiora. I, I keep, I keep wanting
0: to say the same thing.
1: Uh, is gonna be, I could see that one getting ratcheted up. I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of next year they've got some, you know, gold-plated, ultra-premium, whatever, and it's a thousand bucks. I really see them putting out a thousand dollar product. If they put
0: out a if they put out a thousand dollar commander's arsenal
1: that had like
0: mana crypt, soul ring, mana vault, like all of it, it would sell. 999, but you get like nine masterpieces. Nine masterpieces for nine ninety nine. They
1: could probably sell that. Yeah. It's just so and it's just so easy and it's easy for players to look at that and not be not be scared off because they go oh sure it's a thousand dollars but i'm gonna sell seven of the cards in here that i don't need that i already own and that will recoup almost my entire cost to get the
0: one sweet one so sure
1: i'll yeah to get the one or two that i still need so i could definitely see them going that route yeah um frankly premium
0: commander seemed very much an option in the survey i took this week so mm -hmm. expect to see it in the next 18 to 24 months for sure
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, if you look back on it, it's kind of surprising they're ramping this process up as slowly as they are.
0: Well, right? there's only... Like
1: they, they could have gone to the top a lot faster well, than they did. in the
0: 25-year-plus scheme? Yes, definitely. If, if, if I would, like, I was talking about this with people that used to work there the other day and, you know, without naming names, and they were like, yeah, it's strange to me <laughs> that it took us this long to get here because it's not like Hasbro's yeah. not not like not ever been greedy
1: <laughs> yeah all right let's uh let's call that where can our loyal listeners find you James? You guys can
0: find me uh online on twitter at mtg critic as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com i'm also typically haunting the mtgprice.com pro trader discord helping our members get the most value out of their membership on a day-to-day basis
1: and I am Travis, I Alan, I am on Twitter at wizardbumpin, Bump And I write almost every Monday doing the Watchtower series at Uh
0: We need to have a winner of our $25 gift certificate from Cool Stuff, Inc., our lovely sponsor. We need a member who is currently sitting... In our Discord, we're going to go with Arokajin. I-R-O-K-A-J-I-N. Arokajin. You have just won a $25 gift certificate from Cool Stuff, Inc.
1: Congratulations, buddy. You made it. You did it. This is it. It's what your life was leading. was yeah. all headed yeah, towards. The um, culmination.
0: All right, so... Let's see. Also, I'd like to remind our listeners to check out the Pro Trader service for just $7.99 a month or $79.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best mgg Finance Minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money. Saving people money all the time now with these group buys. So get on in here and stop wasting your time. <laughs> Playing Magic the Gathering.
1: <laughs> uh, you got a, a little, little bit of game master anthony in that uh once again mtg fast finance is proudly sponsored by cool stuff inc where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock including the best and magic the gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles use promo code finance five that's the number five during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save five percent off your order and support this podcast and that brings us To the end of episode 187, getting up there. Going to be time for a new sheet soon uh, in a quarter of a year. I've uh, enjoyed 187, and I will see you here for 188 next week. Thank you, Travis. We'll see you all next week for another episode
0: of MTG Fast Finance.